The Bible says in Romans chapter 12, verse 11, never be lacking in spiritual zeal. Never fail in your zeal. But always keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. That's been our theme verse for the last several weeks as we've been going through a series I've been called, I've been, uh, entitled Rekindling Your Spiritual Fire. When the Bible says keep your spiritual fervor in the Lord, your zeal, the word that's used there is actually a Greek word that means to boil. And so when the Bible says that you and I are to keep our spiritual fervor in the Lord, it means we keep our enthusiasm. We keep our wholehearted commitment, this, this part of us that is absolutely all in, totally committed, ready to serve God with everything we are, everything we have. The Bible says that's how we should always be. And so the word means to, if you have a liquid and it gets close to a heat source, it means getting so hot it begins to boil. Or if it's talking about a solid, then that solid gets so close to the heat, it begins to glow. It's a picture of how God wants my heart and your heart to literally be on fire for him. That we should be hot in our love and our devotion and our service for the Lord Jesus Christ. So over the last several weeks, we've been talking about how do you rekindle that fire for many of us, there was a time in our life we'd have to say that we were more on fire for Jesus than we are now. That maybe there was a time that we were more wholeheartedly committed than we are now. We were serving him with more devotion than we are now. And for many of us, we may have lost some of that zeal and some of that fervor. So we've been talking about how do you get that back? How do you rekindle that? How do you fire that up? Today, what I want to talk to you about is that when you see God use you and work through you to touch the life of another person, it ignites the fire within you. The fervor and the zeal for the Lord just ignites and your heart becomes hot for God again when you see God working through you. There's nothing more exciting, nothing more fulfilling, nothing more joyful in this world than seeing God work through you to touch the life of someone else. And that is God's will for every one of you. Every one of you who are children of God, he has given you a specific spiritual giftedness. And he gave you those gifts because he wants to work through you where you are gifted to touch the hearts of other people. He gave every one of us as his children the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has come into our lives to give us power to be his witnesses so that we are to be his witnesses in the world where we work, where we play, where we live, where we go to school. We're to be his witnesses in the world. We are to be his ministers in the church. So whether we're out there in the world, whether we're here in the church, God wants to work through you to literally impact the lives of other people. And when you see God using you in that way, it ignites in you a fire for God. Nothing more exciting, fulfilling, or joyful than seeing God work in your life. However, many times... We don't let God use us 
And one of the main reasons for that is fear. We're afraid. We're afraid we're going to embarrass ourselves. We're afraid somebody may laugh at us if we were to try to talk to them about Jesus. We're afraid we're going to make a mistake. We're afraid somebody's going to ask us a question I don't know the answer to, or they're going to spend eternity separated from God in hell, and it's going to be my fault because I didn't know the answer. I'm afraid I'm going to forget what I'm trying to say. Somebody gives me an opportunity to serve the Lord in the church, and I'm, a, I'm afraid that I might not know enough. I'm afraid I may not be godly enough. I'm afraid that I might make a mistake or I might be embarrassed. I might not be good at it. We have all kinds of fears, and oftentimes those fears will keep us from serving the Lord. And when we stop serving God because of fear, and we miss those opportunities, we stop seeing God work through our lives. And when you stop seeing God working supernaturally through your life, your fervor and your fire for God begins to sort of dampen, begins to go down. Some of you here today, some watching me right now, there was a time in your life when you were on fire for God. If you look back at that, you were probably involved serving him. You were probably trying to share your faith. You were probably saying, oh, God, use me, and you were taking advantage of opportunities, and you were watching God do the supernatural through your life. Somewhere along the way, perhaps, you started getting cautious. You started sort of backing up, sort of being a little bit afraid. And you've just almost imperceptibly just began to sort of dampen it down and the fire has gotten low. That happened to one of Paul's young men that he was training and equipping for, young, for ministry. His name was Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 1, Paul writes to Timothy, and this is important to know in the background, this is the last letter Paul would ever write. This is one of the last communications he would ever have with Timothy because Paul, in this letter, if you remember, know much about it, in chapter 4, the last chapter of this letter, Paul says to Timothy, he says, the time of my departure has come. He's in jail and he's about to be executed for Jesus. So he says to Timothy, the time of my departure has come. I fought a good fight. I kept the faith. I finished the course. So now there's laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me, not to me, but to all those who love his appearing, not to me only. So Paul's writing to Timothy, and he's giving him his final charge. He's giving him his final opportunity to try to motivate Timothy. And so he says to him in chapter 1, verses 6 to 8, I want us to look at together. Paul says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord or of me, his prisoner, but rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. 
Paul says, fan into flame, Timothy. And the, the tense of that verb means keep doing this. Keep on fanning into flame the fire, the gift within you. Fan it to where the fire for God and fire for serving him continues to burn brightly and hot. And evidently, Timothy was, was being tempted at least to sort of play it safe, to sort of throttle it back a little bit, to be, he was, he was being tempted to be fearful and not use his gifts and not stand for the Lord. Now, why in the world would that be true? Well, Timothy was in the city of Ephesus where Paul wrote to him. Now, Ephesus was a tough place to serve. Acts chapter 18, 19, and 20 gives us Paul's ministry there in Ephesus. And right before Paul left Ephesus after about three years of ministry, Ephesus was, had one of the a temple of uh, Artemis or Diana. It was a goddess of the Roman Empire. And this temple was a magnificent structure that was considered one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. And people came there from all over the world to worship this goddess of Diana or Artemis. And there were all kinds of people in that city who made their living by forging in, uh, out of silver or other metals little statues or little idols that they sold to people as they would come there to worship uh, Diana or Artemis. And so what happened was that the Apostle Paul and his ministry there was so effective. So many people were coming to the faith in Christ that the sales dropped in the temple of Artemis. And so a guy named Demetrius, who was a silver worker there, he was an idol maker, he stirred up all the people and he says, this guy Paul, he's coming here blaspheming our great goddess and he's hurting our sails and people aren't even going to worship Diana anymore. And the people just went berserk and they began to riot and they came into the amphitheater there in the city of Ephesus. And for hours, they just were shouting over and over again, great as Artemis of Ephesus, great as Diana of Ephesus. And they were shouting and just screaming and they were out of control. The Bible says there were people in the mob who didn't even know what they were upset about. They were just, the whole city was in an uproar. Paul wanted to go in and talk with them and the believers wouldn't let him because they said, they will tear you to pieces. In fact, Paul describes this event in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 when he says when we were in the province of Asia, he said that we thought we were going to die. We didn't think we were going to make it out of there. God delivered us. Well, shortly thereafter, Paul leaves. But later on, he sends Timothy back to Ephesus to be the pastor of the church there. There were false teachers in that church. Paul had warned them about that. They were opposing Timothy. The the, the, the dangers existed in that city. Now, on top of that, Nero had become the Roman emperor. This guy was nuts. This guy was just, he was a lunatic. He was absolutely crazy, and he had turned his craziness toward Christians. And now the Apostle Paul has been arrested and he's in jail. Peter 
has been arrested. Both of them would be executed in just a few short days. Timothy is a young guy ministering in a very difficult place. His mentor is in jail, having been arrested for the gospel. He's telling him in this letter, I'm going to die. And Timothy is afraid, or at least being tempted to be afraid. Tempted to maybe sort of just tone it down a little bit. Just play it safe. You know, sort of fly under the radar. And so Paul writes to him and he says, Timothy, I want to remind you, you got to keep that fire burning. Stir up the gift of God that's in you. Fan it into flame because God has not given you a spirit of timidity. Put up verse 7 if you don't mind. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid. I don't really like that translation, that word timid. It doesn't really capture what that word means. Some of your translations say, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's really the right word here. Dalia is the Greek word, and it means, comes from a root word that means frightened. It means cowardice. It means fearful or afraid. So Paul says, this fear that you're experiencing, Timothy, that's causing you to want to back up and not serve God with such such zeal and fervor and wholeheartedness, he said that fear is not from God. God didn't give you a spirit of fear. God gave us a spirit of power, of love, and a sound mind. That word sound mind or self-discipline in that text, it means a mind that is that is calm, a mind literally that's sober. It's not under the influence of outside forces. So when the world around us is chaotic and afraid and, and saying all kinds of things and, and the, the natural tendency is to want to panic and be afraid, the person who is listening to the Spirit of God, empowered by God, is going to be calm and at peace, their mind focused on the truth of God instead of on the lies and all the chaos circling around them. He said, that's what God has done for you. He said, so don't be timid. Don't be afraid. But rather, don't be ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And don't be ashamed of me, his servant. To identify yourself with Paul, Paul was about to be executed for being a Christian. To say, he's one of my buddies, would put you in line too, put the bull's eye on your back. Paul says, don't be ashamed of Jesus, don't be ashamed of me, but join me in suffering by the power of God for the gospel. Fear will cause you to want to back up and start serving God in the opportunities God gives you and with the gifts that God gives you. We've all probably been there. If you're a child of God, have you ever had an experience where God opened the door for you to talk to somebody about the gospel, about Jesus, and you just didn't do it because you were afraid? Maybe you were afraid they would reject you, afraid they would make fun of you perhaps, or afraid that you'd make a mistake or you didn't know how to, you, you couldn't talk, you know, good enough or, or you weren't sure you'd be able to quote the verses right or couldn't answer the questions or whatever your fears were that kept you from doing it. Fear will keep you from serving God 
and the doors that he opens for you and through the giftedness he's given you. And when you don't serve him and watch him work through you supernaturally to touch the lives of others, the fire, the fervency in your heart begins to go down. But boy, just the opposite happens. When you have enough faith in God and you ignore the fears and you recognize this fear is not from God, this is an attack of the enemy to keep me from serving God, and you fight through that fear, and by the power of God, you go ahead and make yourself available. What God does is God supernaturally works through you, impacts the lives of others, and when you see God doing that, it ignites something in you. There is no way to serve God without there being a temptation of fear. We all experience it. But you need to recognize that fear is never from God. These fearful, these thoughts, these, these things that you begin to feel that make you afraid, that is a spiritual attack of the enemy to keep you from serving God. It doesn't matter how little you know. It doesn't matter how weak you are. It doesn't matter about you at all because you're not going to be the one doing this impacting of that person's life. It's going to be the Spirit of God working through you supernaturally to touch their lives. I'm telling you through the years, there have been times, I remember times when I have been sharing the, the gospel with a person and trying to explain to them how to be saved. And I can remember sometimes getting through with my presentation and thinking to myself, I didn't even understand what I just said. I'd gotten it all just out of order, and I'd stumbled and fumbled, and it just, you know, didn't seem to flow and whatever. And then I'd get to the end thinking I had made a complete mess out of it, and they would say, I'm ready to give my life to Jesus. There's also been times that I got through it, I thought, wow, I did that good. And they weren't interested. See, it has nothing to do with how smooth my presentation. It's nothing to do with my power or my giftedness at all. It has to do with God's Spirit working through you. It's a supernatural thing. And God will do that if you'll make yourself available to him. If you'll say, God, you know who I am. You know my flaws. You know my weakness. You know my ignorance. You know all about me. You know my fears. But God, here am I. Lord, use me. And when you make yourself available, and in spite of the fear, you'll step through those doors of opportunity. God will supernaturally work through you to impact others. And when that happens, there is nothing like it. I'm telling you, you will find yourself going, I was made for this. There's nothing in this world like that exhilarating joy, that fulfillment, that sense of, of excitement as that fire just ignites in you for your love and your fervor for Jesus Christ. That's what God's will is for every one of us. Fear will keep you from serving the Lord. I remember... One time when I was young, teenager, I, um, I was going out, I, I showed up at church and we were taking a visitation team and we were going out to share our faith and I was given a, a card with a lady's name on it and so me and another teenager, we got in, our, got in the car and drove to this lady's house for the purpose of sharing Jesus with her. My heart was pounding 
I was hyperventilating. I was scared to death. I got to the house. We walked up to the door. I knocked on the door. And this lady opens the door. And I chickened out. I was afraid. So I said, hey, we're here to just let you know that we'd love to have you come to church sometime. And we invited her to church, and then we snuck away with our tail between our legs, and I was scared to death. I've done that many times, frankly. But for some reason, the first time kind of sticks out in your mind. There's been numbers of times in my life when I knew that I should say something and I didn't. It never even makes sense. Why? There's just this spiritual attack of fear. It happens to all of us because we have a spiritual enemy who's trying to keep you from serving the Lord. And this fear is never God talking to you. He doesn't give you a spirit of fear. It is the enemy who's lying to you. He's the one telling you that you're going to mess up. You're going to be embarrassed. You ever had an opportunity, somebody ask you maybe to share your testimony at church, and you think about it, and you say, well, let me pray about it, and then you get down to it, and you say, ah, I, just, I, don't, I don't really feel comfortable doing that. And you don't take that opportunity. Why? You're afraid you're going to get up and you know, forget what you're trying to say or something. You're not alone in that. When I first started preaching, I was 18 years old when I surrendered my life to preach. That terrified me. I, 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 didn't, I didn't surrender my life to preach because I thought I would be a great speaker. I was first time I ever tried to speak out loud in church. I was in the youth choir. And we had, that afternoon, had a choir rehearsal. And we were singing some little chorus. And the, the, our youth pastor was leading us, and so they told us, said, now tonight we're going to sing in the service, and we're going to sing this chorus a couple of times, and then we're going to stop, and I'm going to point at one of you, and I want you to share about a one-sentence testimony of what Jesus means to you. So I knew it was coming. So I had practiced my one sentence in case they picked me. Well, sure enough, when the pause came, they pointed right at me, and I opened my mouth, and nothing came out. I absolutely went blank. I didn't surrender to preach because I could talk in front of people. I was terrified. I could not imagine standing up in front of those people and how am I going to remember what I'm supposed to say? And I felt unworthy. I mean, for me to get up in front of people and speak, I know they're going to look and think, oh, well, he's some super holy guy. And I know I'm not. And I would feel unworthy, and I would feel like that I was being a hypocrite, and like God was going to get me. I really thought God was going to humiliate me in front of the people, because I thought that's what I deserve. So I can remember in those first couple of years when I was 18 years old and, and I, the Lord would, almost every week I'd have an opportunity to preach some little church somewhere out in the country and, and I'd be driving to that church 
And I'd be on my way there, and I'd be praying. I'd be saying, oh, God, use me. Oh, God, speak through me today. Oh, God, use me today. Bring people to save to saving knowledge of Jesus. Oh, God, use me, use me. Back in my mind, I'm thinking, he's going to get me today. Today's going to be the day. And I just had this fear that I was going to stand up there, open my mouth, and nothing was going to come out. That I was going to get in the middle of the message and forget what I was trying to say. And you know what? That's happened sometimes. First time I preached, went okay. I remember thinking, well, it wasn't as hard as I thought it'd be. Second time I preached, <laughs> I stood up and I got ready to quote passages of Scripture that I had known all my life. And I would say, and like it says in John 3.16, and I couldn't remember what it said. Just went completely blank. And I remember finishing that second time going, I'll never do that again. We all are afraid. So I'm on my way to church every Sunday trying to preach. I'd be going, oh, God, just use it. God, use it. He's going to get me today. And one day I'm praying. I'm saying, oh, God, just use me. And God, glorify your name today. And I'm thinking, he's going to get you. And all of a sudden the Lord said to me, son, if it is my will for you to be embarrassed today, if it's my will for you to get up there and forget what you're trying to say and be embarrassed in front of all those people, but if somehow I were, wanted that to happen because I wanted to use that to glorify my name, are you okay with that? Because he said, son, this isn't really about you. This is about Jesus, my, my wonderful son. So are you willing to make yourself available to me ever how I want to use you to bring glory to him? And I remember driving the church that day, and I remember I said, okay. Lord, if it would glorify you more for me to mess up today than for me to do my very best, so be it. Your will be done. And that fear was broken. Now, I don't mean by that I don't get afraid. Now, you don't scare me too bad. But, but if I go to a different church or I go to a different environment where I'm speaking, uh, I still get nervous. I used to sit on the front row when I'd go to preach to these churches, and I was so scared. I didn't realize it, but I was so scared that I wasn't breathing deeply. I was sort of breathing real shallow, and so about every, you know, minute or two, I'd yawn. I'm in the middle of a song service. I'd be just yawning real big. And I remember sitting there thinking, what if I do that in the middle of my own sermon? The people will think I put myself to sleep. I was just terrified. But fear is never from God. Whenever you get ready to serve God, whatever it is he wants you to do, you're going to be afraid. Whenever you get an opportunity to share Jesus, I don't care how many times you've done it, there's always this temptation of fear because we have an enemy who's trying to stop you from serving God. And if he can stop you from making yourself available and you will stop seeing God working through you, and when that happens, the fire and fervency for God begins to go down. I remember when I was 17 years old, I had been trying to witness for years, and I'd never seen anybody come to Jesus. So 
I remember one night I was so burdened about this, a Thursday night, school night. And I remember that I went into my room and I just got on my knees and I remember I was crying out to God and I was saying, oh God, I just want you to use me. I just want you, God, to work through me to see people come to Jesus. And God, I've never seen anybody come to Christ. Lord, would you please use me? And Lord, would you work, would you let me lead somebody to Jesus? And I prayed, crying out to God for about an hour. It was now about 9 o'clock on a Thursday night. I got up and I walked into the den where my dad was at and I said, would you mind if I got in the vehicle and drove up to town about two or three minutes away, just got a Coke or something? He said, no, fine. So I drove up to town and what I had said was I was going up there looking for somebody to tell about Jesus. So I'm driving around my little small country town and I happen to drive by the elementary school where I'd gone to school as a child. And I look out on the playground and there are four young men out there playing basketball on the playground under a street light. Man, I wanted to drive on by. I gave myself, I had every excuse in the world. Well, there's four of them. You'll probably, they'll think you're weird. You know, they might scare them. They may beat you up. You know, I had all these uh, things. But I pulled in there and I got out and I started this long walk. It must have been 75 yards over where they were. And they see me coming. They take their defensive postures. They don't know what's going on. I am terrified. I am, I am my heart is pounding. And I walked up there and I don't know what I said. I, I, I don't know. But there was one of the young men that stood sort of closer to me and the other three stood behind him. And I just started telling him about Jesus. And it was one of those times I'm standing over there looking at myself. I, it's like I was an out-of-body experience or something. And I'm talking so fast that I don't, I don't have no idea what I'm saying. And I got to the end of that gospel presentation, and I said, would you like to give your heart to Jesus? He said, yes, I would. Really? So I said, well, just pray this prayer after me. And I said, Lord Jesus. And he goes, Lord Jesus, and the three guys behind him all said, Lord Jesus. And all four of them gave their hearts to Jesus. I didn't even need to walk back to the car. I just flew back over there. <laughs> because when you see God work through you in supernatural ways to touch the life of somebody else, something ignites in you a fire and a fervor for the Lord. I was never the same after that. I was never the same the first time I saw God work through my life and I could see it in the eyes of this person that it was exactly what they needed at that moment. And God wants to do that through every one of us. You have the same spirit of God that I've got. You've got the same spirit of God that Billy Graham had. You, it is Jesus that does the work, not you and me. We just have to be available. And our fears will keep us from saying, God, here am I, use me. So I just want to encourage you today as we close. I want to encourage you to pray for opportunities. Oh, God, let me lead somebody to Jesus. Oh, God, give me an opportunity to say something for you. Oh, God, let me serve you through where you've gifted me. You know what that is. God, open doors of opportunity. And then when those opportunities arise, then ignore your fears. Recognize it's a spiritual attack of the enemy to keep you from being used by God. 
Trust God to do something through you that's not your abilities and your power. Ask God to use you and then just do the best you can. And that's all that matters because it's not going to be you anyway. It's going to be the Spirit of Jesus in you working through you to do something unimaginable. And when you see God use you, you're going to be on fire for Jesus. I want you to bow your heads. So how is your spiritual temperature? Has your heart sort of grown cool? Have you lost that fervency and that fire of devotion to Jesus? Want it back? Then make yourself available to God. Cry out to him and say, here I am, God, use me. The eyes of the Lord are looking back and forth across the whole earth, seeking to show himself strong in behalf of those whose hearts are fully committed to him. If you will say, God, here am I, use me, I'll do what you want me to do. God will open doors and God will work through you in supernatural ways. Let him do that. Maybe somebody watching right now or somebody in this room, maybe God's been dealing with you for a long time of how you needed to turn your life over to Jesus Christ. You needed to turn from your sin and ask Jesus to save you, become your Savior. And you've been putting it off, and maybe it's because you've been afraid. Maybe you've been afraid that if you gave your life to Jesus, you'd have to give up all the fun in your life. Maybe you've been afraid that your rest of your life would be boring. and Maybe you've been afraid that you couldn't live up to it. That being Christian is somehow beyond your ability and that you'd just be considered a hypocrite. Maybe you've been afraid of what your friends would think or your family would think. I don't know what it is, but if fear's been keeping you from giving your life to Jesus, I want to tell you where that's coming from. There's an enemy of your soul. The Bible calls him the devil. And he wants you to spend eternity separated from God with him in the lake of fire. And so he's doing everything he can do to keep you from Jesus because Jesus is your only hope. It is only Jesus who can save you from your sins. It is only Jesus who can give you a relationship with God. It is only Jesus who can give you eternal life, a home in heaven. So the enemy says, don't do it today. The enemy says, maybe later. The enemy says, what would your girlfriend think? What would your boyfriend think? Your enemy tells you all these things to put it off, but the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Today, if you hear his voice, 
do not harden your heart. So God says, I want to save you right now today. Now stop listening to your fears and listen to my voice. I want to save you right now. And the Bible says that everyone who will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So it will happen for you right now if you're willing to ask. Just call upon the name of the Lord. So if that's you and you're ready, and you're ready for your life to be changed, both now and forever, then just pray something like this. Just say, Lord Jesus, I know that I've disobeyed you a lot. And my sin has separated me from God. And there's nothing I can do about it. But I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sin. And I believe you rose again from the dead, just like you said. So I'm asking you, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sins. Forgive me completely. Wash me white as snow. Give me eternal life, a relationship with God. And from this day forward, with your help, I'll follow you. In Jesus' name. If you meant that prayer, then I just want to say welcome to the family of God. An amazing miracle just happened to you. Jesus is so wonderful. He just changed your life in eternity. And we rejoice with you today. And the Bible says there's a party going on in heaven as the angels rejoice over the decision you just made. This is a game changer for you. It's a brand new beginning in life, brand new start. So what do you do next? Well, that's the purpose of a church, to try to help you know what to do next. That's why we exist, and we would love to help you. And so if you just pray that prayer with me, if you'd take the gray card that's in the seat back in front of you, just put your name and number on there and check the box that said, today I prayed and asked Jesus to come into my heart and save me from my sins. And just when you walk out, drop the card in the offering box on either side of the doors, and we will contact you this week, try to find a time that works for you to just rejoice with you and help you know what to do next. Maybe you'd like to join our church. Just take the gray card, check the box that says, I want to pursue membership with your church, and we'll contact you and explain the simple process that you go through. If you would like to be baptized, uh, we're going to be baptizing on Labor Day weekend. So just a couple of weeks from now, we had two people last week in the service check the card says, I want to be baptized. Maybe if you've never been baptized since you gave your life to Jesus, then it would be a great time to do it. So just take the gray card, check, I want to be baptized. And we would love to be able to do that for you. Maybe you're a guest here today. If you're here and you're a guest, thank you for coming. I really hope you experienced God. I hope he spoke to you today. And if that is the case, would you take the blue card? that's in the seat back in front of you and just fill that out, take you about 10 seconds and drop it in the offering box. We would appreciate having a record of your visit. Well, we're gonna be leaving in just a moment. I wanna pray for you. I just wanna remind you to be sure and give your offerings to Jesus. He is worthy of our offerings and our worship today. 
So let's stand together. Oh, Father, what you would do this week through these, your children, if we would just make ourselves available, would just blow our minds. Oh, God, I pray that you would give your people the power of your spirit to overcome the fears, to overcome any other obstacles that the enemy puts before us to try to keep us from being an instrument you use to touch others. I pray this week that everyone here would see you work through their life in a miraculous way. Restore to us a spiritual fire and fervent love and service for you, for you are worthy of that. I pray the fire would just ignite in your people here this week. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You are dismissed. Thank you for coming.